You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. You know, if, if that doesn't fill you with joy, then I'm not sure I can help you. <laughs> oh, it's so good uh, to be back with you. Uh, and and there, Oh, there's so much I have to tell you. I, I will do our best to get us out on time, um, but... Good luck. Uh, our, our lesson today is from uh, the Gospel of Matthew, the third chapter, and it is the story of Jesus being baptized by John. It'll be on the screens, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Oh, so much to tell you. Last week, uh, I was in Los Angeles with the courageous leadership imperative of sponsored by the Texas Methodist Foundation for the South Central Jurisdiction of the United Methodist Church. So for those of you keeping score, I was in L.A., with CLI, sponsored by TMF, for the SCJ of the UMC. Right? We're square? Excellent. So we were in Los Angeles. It's this cohort. It's a three-year program, and we meet once a week every six months. And we were studying, we were studying economic disruption. Economic disruption, as, as clergy do, right? Economic disruption like, for example, Blockbuster and Netflix, Right? Do you remember, you know, when you used to want to rent a video, you'd have to go to the store, you have to go to a blockbuster, and, and you hope that out of the 37 copies of Pearl Harbor they have, you hope that 37 other people didn't have your same idea. So you go and you check and you find your movie and then you, you, you check it out. Well, you don't really check it out like a library. You have to pay for it. Uh, and then you bring it home and you watch it. And, and then you have to bring it back to the store. There were times when, <laughs> I love how... Uh, the economy orders our life. Because there were some times where we would want to rent a video at Blockbuster, but we knew we were going out of town and we wouldn't be back in time. So we just postponed renting a video until we knew that we had two consecutive days that we were available to go to a store, right? Uh, and then and then they had this little upstart called Netflix. And if you remember, uh, originally Netflix was was mail order. You would go online and you would put down the movies you wanted to watch and uh, you would then get one in the mail and you could keep it as long as you wanted and then you'd send it back. Then about four or five days later, you'd get another movie on your list and you'd watch it, keep it as long as you want and send it back. Blockbuster really didn't pay much attention to Netflix at the beginning, right? Because it was such a niche market. It's so weird. And if you were in the early 90s and you said, you know what? I want to be able to sit in my living room and I want a movie to be sent directly to my TV and I don't have to go anywhere and I can keep it as long as I want. 
People would say, what are you, a king or something? Are you royalty? Like, that doesn't work. But then, then came the disruption, streaming, streaming. The technology meant that we could stream movies with an Apple TV or a Roku or on your phone or on the computer. And, and now you didn't have to go anywhere. With a click of a button, you could watch a movie and keep it as long as you want. And Blockbuster was slow to respond. They didn't pay attention to the disruption. They knew that their model worked, and it did for a while. Do you know there's only one Blockbuster on the planet? There's still one. So if you have a card, congratulations, you're well-equipped. You have a Blockbuster card. Uh, it's in Alaska, the last man standing. Last Blockbuster on the planet, still in Alaska. Disruptions. Now, Netflix is not a disruption just because necessarily it was successful or that they had a be better business model. In fact, Harvard Business Review says that 90%, 90% of economic disruptions fail. But it's that 10%, it's that 10% that changes everything. It is a disruption if it changes the model entirely. When was the last time you went to the store to rent a video? Uh, maybe you still do. Uh, we, we don't even have a DVD player or a Blu-ray player in the house. My, how things change, how these disruptions change our expectations. Fundamentally, a true disruption changes our assumptions about the way things are and the way things should be. You know, if you read the last book of the Hebrew Scriptures, it's a book called Malachi, and it's the last thing we hear before the New Testament. And this is what Malachi, Malachi, the prophet Malachi, gave uh, a prophecy about who this coming Messiah was going to be. And it's chapter 4 of Malachi. You can read Malachi all in one sitting. Chapter 4 is the last chapter. This is what it says. It says, Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All of the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day is coming. That day is coming. It will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. You will trample down the wicked. There will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their father, or, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Thus ends the Hebrew Scriptures. And then we turn the page, and what we're turning, we're turning 400 years of intertestamental period. We turn the page, and then here we are in the Gospel of Matthew. Malachi sets up our expectations of who this Messiah is going to be. And primed, primed with Malachi, we might expect thunder and lightning and Elijah wielding an axe. And, 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 and this happens, so to speak. We have John the Baptist, who is uh, a bit crazy. Uh, he's out in the wilderness. He wears camel skin, camel fur, and, and he eats honey and locusts. And he's out there and, and he says, the time is coming. Repent, you brood of vipers. And the axe is laying at the foot of the tree. And he says, after me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of his sandals. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I wish to baptize you with fire, but he will, I, I wish to baptize you with water. He will baptize you with 
the Holy Spirit and fire. I know, I know, it's frightening. (laughs) And then here comes Jesus. Jesus appears, and he says, you must baptize me. And John says, what are you talking about? You're supposed to baptize me. You're the powerful. You're You're the Holy Spirit. You're the fire. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. John, you are to baptize me in order to fulfill the scriptures. It must be this way to fulfill all righteousness. This is the way. This is the way. Those of you who have seen The Mandalorian on uh, Disney+, Plus, another streaming service, interestingly enough, this is the way. So even at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, this being, being primed with Malachi and this fire and this heat from God and Jesus... Jesus starts to change our expectations right at the very beginning. Because you might expect Jesus to have entered on a chariot of fire or wielding a bow or being carried by angels. But he goes into the water. Just just like we are called to go into the water to be baptized by John, not to baptize John. It's much more humble than we have been primed to expect. Hmm. Already, this great and terrible day of the Lord begins with a voice from heaven affirming Jesus' identity, but then this great and terrible day of the Lord starts with Jesus going into the wilderness, either led or driven by the Spirit, depending on which gospel you're reading. This great and terrible day of the Lord began with prayer and fasting. And resisting temptation. Already our expect, what is, what is happening, Jesus? <laughs> we thought that you were going to come down and you were going to fix everything, but you're, you start with prayer, being alone, fasting, resisting temptation. What, what is this? Disruption doesn't necessarily mean fire and earthquakes, but it does inaugurate a fundamental shift in our assumptions of the way things are or the way things should be. Last week in Los Angeles, we had an opportunity to tour Homeboy Industries. And it's it's a a ministry that was started by Father Greg Boyle, Jesuit priest. They call him Father G. And it was a strategy in order to curb gang violence. And what a monumental task that is before you if you feel called to end gang violence in East L.A. It's been going on for, for around 30 years or so. And there at Homeboy Industries, you can help uh, get services to help find a job. There is free tattoo removal, which is a big deal. There's also opportunity. They pay if you qualify. Uh, and, and the way you qualify is uh, you get clean. Now, uh, you can choose not to be clean, and you can do everything that Homeboy Industries offers. But if you want to be a part of the program, you're going to get clean, and we will pay you to take classes. You're paid to take classes, finance classes, cooking classes, parenting classes. Our tour guide uh, was taking parenting classes, so we asked him, oh, well, tell us about your kids. He says, I don't have any, but one day I hope to. I want to be ready. Oh, my gosh, how great is that? But the true gift of Humboldt Industries, there's the cafe, there's the auto shop, there's all these things. At Homeboy Industries, you have enemies. You have enemies 
working side by side. See, when they go to Homeboy Industries, they take off their colors and they put on a Homeboy Industries shirt and a Homeboy Industries hat and it gives them a new identity. There was one guy, he would come in and he would leave and he would come in and he would leave. He would try to get clean and failed and would come. And they asked him, Father Boyle, shouldn't we, Father G, shouldn't we go out there and find him? He hasn't been here in a couple weeks. And he would just simply say, he'll be back. He'll be back. Because he has received a dose of what it means to be cherished. He'll be back. He has received a dose of what it means to be cherished. If you were there, you would see the hope. And you would see the joy. And you would see this new identity being born simply because Father G was telling them that they are cherished and that they are loved. Remarkable that enemies work shoulder to shoulder. And when I say enemies, I'm not talking about Clemson and LSU. I'm not talking about Republican or Democrat. I'm talking about people who have actively murdered other family members. And they're working shoulder to shoulder to build a better world. So what the heck is our problem? (laughs) Why do we think, well, I can only be with Republicans or I can only be with Democrats. I can only be with Methodists who agree with 100% of everything I do. Are you kidding? I'd love to send you to homeboy (laughs) to see a new world being born. They're given this new identity. Baptism does this. When we go into the waters, we, are put on, we put on the garment of Christ, so to speak. We put down our colors, whether they're purple and gold or whatever the heck Clemson's colors are. We put down uh, the red of elephants and the blue of dawn. We put these things down and we put on Christ and we say, I want to serve the world. I want to serve the world. I want to, I want to remember that I am a child of God. Holy disruptions, holy disruptions change our assumptions about the way things are and the way things should be. And Father G is disrupting the world in the best of ways. He tells people that they matter. He tells people that they are cherished and that they are loved. Later that week, we went to the Griffith Observatory, uh, which is in the Hollywood Hills. Thank you very much. Went to the Griffith Observatory. Uh, it's a fantastic place, a uh, huge telescope. We took a look at the moon. It was so great. Uh, and downstairs, uh, they have this deep space exhibit. And on the wall, it's, oh gosh, I don't know. Mike Brando would laugh at that. I think it's like 70 feet long. It's a big wall, right? It's a big wall. It's about... Yay, right? So it's a big wall. And what it represents is if you were to hold up your finger into the sky, it represents all of the stars that are blocked by your finger. Just your finger. And they blew it up. It's the largest astronomical picture or astronomy picture. Uh, It's astronomical too. Uh, It's the largest uh, astronomy photograph that's ever been printed. And in that picture are represented something like a billion galaxies. Just 
by covering your finger looking at the night sky. That is fantastic. And there was a man who was there, and he's the tour guide, and he was talking about how in the universe there are billions and billions of galaxies, and in each galaxy there are trillions and trillions of stars. How vast the universe is. There are parts of the universe that we will never see because it takes too long for light to get there to here. It's amazing when we think about how vast the universe is. And he told us, he goes, you know, sometimes when you think about the universe like this, you can feel small and you can feel insignificant, right? He says, except we've been looking for life in other places (laughs) and we haven't found it. Now, chances are, with uh, billions and billions of galaxies and trillions and trillions of stars and even more planets than that, then, then it may be out there, but we've been looking and we haven't found it. He said, so even in this vast, infinite place, Earth might be the only place in the entire universe where life exists. And he said, and because of that, the Earth might be the only place in the entire universe where love exists. There has never been a you, and there will never be another you. My, how precious life is. You are the only you in the entire universe. Holy disruptions change our assumptions about the way things are or the way things should be. Baptism helps us remember how unique and cherished and loved we are. When you come up for baptism, we ask you three questions. You've already heard them. The first question is this. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness Reject the evil powers of this world and repent of your sin. It's renounce, not denounce. Denounce means you you speak against it, what they are doing. Renounce means you yourself, you are putting it down. I renounce spiritual forces of wickedness. Another way to say this, it doesn't mean that you're terrible and that you're worth nothing or that you have no value. It means that there are forces and powers and principalities in this world that distract us from what God is doing, and are we ready to let them go? Are you ready to see that which God has blessed you with? Are you ready to see how unique and cherished you are? So step one is renounce. Step two is resist, right? The second question is, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you accept freedom and power? What a curious thing for God to ask us. Do you accept freedom? And of course we would say, well, yes, of course I accept freedom. But then you think, how free exactly am I? Because when I'm hungry, I, I feel called to eat. And when I'm thirsty, I feel called to drink. And, and when the national championship's on, I feel called to cheer for the Tigers. That should be funny to you because they're both Tigers. 
We feel called and drawn, and we might not be as free. In other words, if I had the free choice of a buffet, free choice, everything is there, and there are Brussels sprouts, and there are buffalo wings, I ain't choosing the Brussels sprouts, right? I have the free choice, it's still there. Do you accept freedom and power to be a child of God? And then the last question is this, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and put your whole trust in his grace. Put your whole trust in his grace. Not your whole trust in a life that will never have problems or your whole trust in a life where you will never uh, uh, have a bad day or a life in which your bank account will be full and all of your children will be attractive and make great grades. Uh, We can't all be student of the year, right? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you and do you trust in grace. Do you trust that God loves you? Because if you don't, we have some work to do. Do you trust in grace? There are lots of other things we could talk about with baptism. Uh, we could talk about like how much water can you sprinkle? Can you be dunked? Do you have to like skydive into a pool? Like how does that all work? We can also talk about how is it that the Holy Spirit is present? We could talk about how we baptize babies. Yes, we baptize babies. Do we baptize adults? Yes, yes. In fact, if you've never been baptized, I'm going to go, this is not in the script. So hang on to your pew. Uh, if, if you've never been baptized before and, and, and the Holy Spirit is telling you today's the day, uh, then for God's sake, during the last hymn, tell me. Come on up. The water is fine. Already been blessed. It's primed for you. If you've never been baptized and you want to be in communion with Christ, then during the last hymn, come on up, man. It's ready. We're ready. We are ready to reveal to you how cherished, how cherished you are to us. We're ready to let you know how loved you are. Do you trust in his grace? Mm. Lots of things to talk about. In the church, we talk about remembering your baptism. Uh, I was baptized as a baby at First United Methodist Church in Slidell, Louisiana, so I don't remember my baptism. It's a funny thing we say, remember your baptism, and be thankful. I don't remember it. I was a baby. I was like one and a half months old. So what does that mean to remember? I don't remember my baptism, so I need your help as a community of faith. I need to remember my calling as a child of God through you. And I hope to return the favor to remind you of your baptism and of your calling and how you are cherished by God. We're called to remember that it's not about money or fame or power. We're called to remember that Jesus, man, once Jesus going, uh, once, once Jesus starts going, he, he is disruptive. He changes our assumptions about the world. We were told you were coming in with fire and a chariot. And, and the, where's the rubble? Where's the ash? Why are you going in the wilderness to fast? and pr- Jesus, why are you going to the Samaritans? You're supposed to come to us. Jesus, why are you going to the cross? Stop. But Jesus, why is the tomb empty? I'll just end with this. Um, God loves you. God loves you so very much. 
in the entire vast universe of all that is, things and unseen, there is only one you. May we all treat this one and holy and precious life as if it is the only thing that matters. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and most loving God, on this day in which we remember our baptism, help us to remember that we are called. Help us to remember that we are cherished when we look into each other's face, when we look at this body of Christ. Father, help us to remember. And then send us out into the world to build a kind of world where enemies work shoulder to shoulder. People of hope, people of faith, people who reach out in love. Father, give us courage. Give us strength. You know the world needs it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.